Welcome back to Mark's Madness, now part of Chunkaluta. Woo! Yay! Here's the host here again. and then never is here for a third of it. <laughs> <laughs> I've been busy, all right? <laughs> yeah, things happen. Things happen. Life's well, like, you know, we got to Podcasting's a way to provide a means for me to organize, so... Yeah, well... And and even with the podcast itself, we have we it's a two person podcast, and and we've got a three person uh, rotation. Yeah, yeah, you know, so purpose, so that way the summer <laughs> wouldn't be fucking travesty. Yeah. However, winter is coming, and that's a podcasting season. <laughs> <laughs> we're actually casting uh, season. We're going to be partnering up with uh, Juchi Gang, our Ooh, Leak nice. and Larry, to uh, re-release their. Juche reading series on the Max Madness feed, so that's gonna ease up some of the pressure to record immediately from us. But we are looking at uh, starting up the new poll for uh, what to read next. I'm a I'm a big proponent of decolonial Marxism. Uh, I'm also feeling Red yes. Nation Rising, Border Town Violence in America. That's a worthwhile read and a quick one. Um, plus, it's very complimentary to the red deal but yeah um yeah i think it's uh, with gramsci freshly read i think it's also going to be an interesting reread for me uh personally i think i'll get a lot out of it um <laughs> i don't know there's there's a lot of choices we can go down to uh there's prez wants Palances, uh yeah which I'm like, yeah, sure. Well, yeah. We could finally read Cole Third and use those notes. <laughs> we could. Uh, <laughs> there's, there's, there's a lot, lot of work poured in. Yeah, there's already a lot of. I have a whole notebook filled with I, shit that like I read through Redskins White Masks two and a half times just to make sure I had it down, and now I'm gonna have to like redo it again because that it just won't stay in my brain well enough. So well, it's a good read anyway. It's a good well, read, yeah. I mean, is, you know, there's it's a, some. It's a slow. It's stuff. very academic, but it's it's. It's a good read. No, but it has to be in order to, you know, present some of the positions, especially like with um, like Marxist Leninist positions on China. Mm -hmm. Like a lot of the immediate reaction is anytime you say anything perceived as negative instead of, you know, uh, principled critique. Yeah. (laughs) It's like, oh, God, no. How dare you? And it's like, funny enough, revolution in our backyard means wrestling with all the contradictions not just the ones we want to. That's right. And that's that's something we're going to have to happen. And, and that's exactly what it is. You know, when you look at things like China, it is a contradiction, right? They, they've had their I mean, socialist- and they acknowledge it. Yeah. You know? <laughs> you know, they've they've had their socialist revolution. They're trying to do the best for their people. They're they're setting a great example in many ways for the world. But they also, you know, invest in extraction. Well, they were in the exploratory they, period. So that yeah. ended in 2020, you know, uh, during yeah. COVID. I mean, they were the only economy to even grow. And mm-hmm. a lot of that is the exploration they did and the uh, income that they built up to then mm-hmm. export over the BRI while also improving infrastructure within the country immensely. Like, if the U.S. was doing half of what they were doing, I would have less complaints. You know? Do you remember the ghost city angle of the infrastructure? Oh, my growth? God. <laughs> it was that 2018? That was like 2018. China's got ghost cities everywhere. Yeah, they're building housing. People are going to move enough. There. Crazy enough. You build yeah. it, they will come. <laughs> you know what's funny? 
is is America's loaded with subdivisions, and they're making they're always making new subdivisions. Nobody co- drives through and sees a bunch of for sale signs at a newly built subdivision. and goes, "Oh, Ghost City," right? That was I do no. <laughs> <laughs> I should. We really should. No, I mean, I travel enough. You know, I could be like, yeah. "Look at this ghost." It would be a funny series. That would be good. Be great. That's a good chunk ghost. of loot angle. Let me let me write that down on the media. Ghost cities from, from coast to coast. City, coast cities city. of ghosts from coast to coast. <laughs> well, that has a lot of meanings. Right? Well, yeah, that's true. Um, but anyway, uh, normally we're going to get back to reading. We're going to be on uh, page 99 uh, section on the Red Sunday. Uh, there is one current event, at least I know we want to get into before doing that, is that we've talked about, uh, obviously, you know, um, under fire from imperialism is Haiti and the United States is recruiting basically any any puppet with dark Lula enough, did dark it enough again. skin to get yeah. buy-in um, from did the rest of that? the world. What's Lula, that? Lula voted to let... Yeah. Yeah, I, I was just like, again. Yeah, <laughs> not even abstained. And abstained is kind of like that that China and Russia did is kind of cowardly. It lets it happen, but then you didn't do it. But Lula, once again, didn't even abstain. He voted for the invasion of Haiti. So, you know, th- these are the contradictions we have we're talking about, Right. You know, Brazil is not even as far left. We should expect pink states to be pink states. (laughs) That's true. That's true. And and Brazil isn't even nearly as far left as as some other pink states, in spite of being the ones that's pushing for uh, the other currency in BRICS. Even with like Bolivia, which is further left, you know, Mm -hmm. they had to, uh, they're removing Luis Arce from uh, the movement towards socialism. He's a technocrat, serves the interests of the bourgeoisie, really. Yeah. And uh, that, I mean, that's why he was put in was to ease the tensions immediately after the coup. But they're going to run an evil Morales again in 2025. You know, so uh, like there's going to be, oh, he's a dictator. He's a dictator. Yeah. You know, and it's like, well, no, we need a strong leader <laughs> with more Marxist principles to sure. stand against the fucking forces of capital. I mean, yeah. we do need that. Do you, uh, think I, it, do you think it'll be Evo again? Do you, you don't think it'll be? Uh, no, that's the, the, the run. No, they're running Evo. They already they're running Evo. Oh, I, I yeah. didn't even catch that. Yeah, they're running Evo. So I mean, yeah, I'm for it. I love. Yeah, Eva. no, I'm I'm, I'm, for it. I'm surprised it didn't go. <laughs> fuck America, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like yeah, fuck them. Like invite another coup and then show them what the people's militias have formed. I mean, like it, it was indigenous militias that helped fight off the coup. Mm-hmm. You know, it was lots of bloodshed that just went unreported. You know, and that's going to happen again. Yeah, you know. But really, this is showcasing you know the limitations of plural nationalism. And how you need a Marxist-Leninist model. I mean, you need it if you're actually going to withstand the forces of neo-colonialism at this point for them. Sure, you know? and 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 there's reasons for. The, I mean, their own processes that they're going through. Right, they're they're having these arms struggle at the same time. They're running election strategies in parallel. You saw that in Colombia, you know, and and it was a a massive victory to get Gustavo Petro in there, but also. It's an elected victory, you know. Right. It's not, so you it's should not expect total. failure, you know. Yeah, like, yeah. You can expect struggle and failure and and turn back and and ups and downs and and all those things. You are going to need to continue to organize, even mm-hmm. with an electoral win. Yeah, that's my issue with CPSA. Is like they they have a person on the city council and uh, like the closest metropolitan. It's like seven thousand people, but it's a like BIA town. Like literally, yeah. that's where the BIA office is. Oh, okay, yeah, you yeah. know, and they have no connection to the reservation right next door. 
You know, <laughs> it's like you're communists. Yeah, Why are what? you not there? There, I mean, and I know anarchists there that have a commune. You know, yeah. like I mean, there's I, I know plenty of people doing more on the reservation than the communists, and it's just like. <laughs> What are you doing? What are you? Why? Why? Why are we ceding ground to liberals so much? Yeah, you know, yeah. like why are we not combating them on that front at the very least? Yeah, I don't know. Well, Bugs me. No, absolutely. Um, and with that, if we don't have anything else besides that uh, uh, UN uh, Security Council vote to invade Haiti with Kenyan troops, um, then uh, then I think we can move on to the reading. Well, and yeah, that's like blows my mind that, that you know they're sending in Kenya as like sort of like this puppeteer. Well, like, I mean, it's really yeah. mask. Like the mask is not there. Well, <laughs> I mean, you you saw this, you saw this, you know, with the protests in Kenya a few years ago, right? Um, like right before COVID, there were there were mass protests there. Kenya is very much uh, a right wing state, probably like I was saying, you know, one of if not the biggest U.S. puppet state in Africa. Um, yeah, I guess and, I don't know enough about Kenya in order to yeah. speak. I just know that I, I don't know what I know about Kenya comes from the Communist Party of Kenya. So I'm like, yeah, the Communist yeah, Party Kenya, the Kenyans, Yeah, the Kenyan people, Kenyan peoples are not wanting to invade Haiti. This is this is the Kenyan government at the behest of the United States. Right. And then, you know, it basically being bullied through the Security Council. And that's done because if the U.S. did actually invade Haiti itself, or, you know, used a, a more obvious puppet, I guess. Um, then maybe Russia or China would have stepped up and, and vetoed it at the very least. If not, it's sparking its own war. So, well, and I think Haiti kind of has always represented this, um, I guess, push towards the new world, right? The new world where many worlds fit. That, oh yeah, well, well, I mean, that's the, like people think of the United States here too, like like throwing off slavery in the 1860s and the the Civil War and everything. That and all of the slave rebellions across Central and South America, all of that uh, came from Haiti. Haiti was was the right, and it should be really it. pointed out that the American Revolution supported the imperialists against yes, Haiti. yeah, supported Napoleon and and all that. Yeah, yeah. In fact, um, that. You know, that along with the, the turmoil of the French Revolution and all that stuff has, you know, ties in a lot with like getting the Louisiana Purchase and and stuff. Which leads um, directly to my people's colonization mm-hmm. by the Americans. Mm-hmm. So, you know, this is it's how interconnected this imperialism is, is is vital and in how interconnected the decolonial struggle is. And that was a massive decolonial revolution that Haiti for being. Um, for being a, a black population that that foisted off slavery and for uh, being a decolonial struggle. And obviously they weren't the the indigenous people that island those they were uh, fully displaced by uh, French colonialists. But then, you know, uh, these were sh- uh, slaves that were shipped in over a hundred couple hundred years uh, by French colonialists, you know, throwing oh, off. We could slavery. do like Gerald Horn, too. For the yeah. Thing. That'd yeah. Oh, shit. that would be good. I would Plus love to piss do off Horn. to Pat Socha. <laughs> yeah, I would love to do Gerald Horn. Um, Just thinking about like this train of thought, I'm like, oh shit, sure. this is Gerald Horn. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Um, but for doing that, you know, it, Haiti's been forever punished. I mean, the, the United States and France got together and said Haiti owes this debt to France for the revolution, and 
Um, basically, there's no way Haiti was going to be able to pay for it. And then it constantly has to be financed and and it's tied into this. It still owes France technically this debt. And that that has a major that that's probably why Haiti is the poorest uh, nation in the West. Right. Um, is because of that because it was I think it was like six million at the time. Man, is that today's true? money? That's they're the absurd. poorest. Yeah, they're the poorest. Like Western out of hemisphere. everybody in the Western Hemisphere, they're the in poorest. the Western Hemisphere. Yeah, that's crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I I mean, like I'd believe it. You know, like I I know a lot of people who've been there and stuff after like the earthquake and stuff. Yeah, yeah, and you got to remember too, like the earthquake did major damage and then and you want to talk about socialist wasn't not, there like a coup after too I, 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 yeah oh yeah there was a coup in 2004 um at the at the behest of of uh george bush and um and so you know that that put a, a puppet government in power um there was also the the un relief or um that brought in cholera Oh yeah! Holy shit! I forgot yeah. about that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Not and, and to mention, you know, the UN, you know, peace troops that were, I mean, wreaking havoc. Yeah. To say the least. And and of course, there's been uprisings for this. We've been talking throughout, uh, basically, almost the tenure of Mark's Madness about the uh, the uprisings in Haiti. They've been happening for several years, and they've been complete completely unreported. You know, mass slaughters um, at the hands of Haitian police. We saw there was the one invasion um, where they got busted going into to, to Haiti. Um, there was all kinds of, of stuff that's happened with that. But these uprisings have been constant. And that yeah, must have been in a season. I'm still like, you know, I was like just finishing Black Reconstruction. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Um, but I mean, we've, we've been talking about this because they've, they've happened for a long time. Um, I know we brought them up a lot during the Red Deal, too, and we didn't go into a lot of details uh, with them there. But they've been happening for a long time, and you can tell that they've still been happening. and They're underreported because not only do I not have a lot of fresh details when the situation's changing every day and I'm paying attention. <laughs> so there's just not that many sources out there. Haitian Info Project is good, uh, but there's just not that many sources out there. Um, that, I mean, that's better than I know. Yeah, no, Haitian Info Project's terrific. Well, and like Haiti's becoming a really big focus of my studies recently (laughs) because as I learn more about maroonage, you know, a lot of it traces back to the Mm -hmm. maroons in Haiti, which uh, is what a lot of people's minds draw to as soon as you mention maroonage. Um, And so like a lot of it is like slave populations combined with indigenous populations in order to form more revolutionary cores, you know, which is just like, yeah, makes sense. <laughs> kind of at the like forefront of capitalism's for capitalism's formation. Yeah, like, imagine that making you pretty revolutionary. Mm-hmm. And um, um, but this is kind of evidence. Not not only is this going to be a horrible escalation and and uh, repression of Haitian people and a continuation of this this oppression and their their decolonial struggle that they're they're under right now, but it's kind of an admission that the uprising would happen all the whole time and that they're, you know, and that they're starting to win. Otherwise the U S wouldn't be scrambling for forces to go in there like the Dominican Republic and Kenya. And yet have you even fucking heard about the uprisings anywhere in mainstream media? Like it's so bad that you are constantly harping about Iran. I mean, and like, it's like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Iran's a situation. Just not really our place. But but yeah, they harp about that. They're sitting there. They're talking about, 
Um, and that that's as far as uprisings. You know, they they talk about invasions, and you hear about uh, Ukraine, um, but we've right. talked about how often you're not hearing about any of the Western invasions. Well, uh, and like people aren't hearing about like shit popping off in Guatemala right now with like Protica yeah. and the Maya led Protection League. You know, like there's so many. I mean, the revolution is not going to be televised. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's exactly it. That's exactly it. But this has been happening for a long time, and and it's seeing victories. And so the United States is scrambling for any force it can send in to put this down because Haiti. Being Haiti really spent its first hundred years subjected by France with, you know, the U.S. gaining wealth from it, from interaction and, and being an imperialist country. And then since right at the beginning of the 20th century, it's really been the U.S. Um, that's had a stranglehold on Haiti with that huge French debt, U.S. enforced, by the way, um, you know, keeping France in the loop. Um so yeah, I mean, this is an important outpost of extraction for the United States. It's it's the whole Monroe Doctrine backyard thing. The U.S. does not want to lose Haiti again into, you know, um, I mean, a, it's a not even Monroe left- Doctrine. That's just straight up U.S. colonialism. Yeah. Like, that we love colonizing the Euro- the Caribbean. I was going to say yeah. the European, European, and I think <laughs> I was getting mixed up. I I uh, uh, I was talking about. People getting busted invading, but that was Venezuela. Oh, Haley, new, Haiti was new word when, uh, for white US- gusanos that left Cuba. Oh. <laughs> Europeans, nice. <laughs> uh, but um, the thing I was getting mixed up with is Haiti had uh, uh, Moise, um, Jovenel Moise, uh, assassinated. Um, that was the the U.S. coup like backed president that I guess wasn't doing them their service well enough was assassinated uh, with some uh, very obvious CIA involvement. So, you know, it, a lot of shit's been going down there for, for a while. And it seems like the people are, are getting stronger and stronger and closer and closer to, to victory and the U S is scrambling. And so hopefully we're either going to see one or two things. We're going to see mass death and repression. If the U S gets its way, um, or we're going to see Haiti rise up. And obviously we, we very much hope for the latter. Um, so with that, we're going to get into Gramsci. Do you want to start reading uh, Shigmani too? Cause you weren't oh, on last because time. I fucking barely show up. Is that what <laughs> I just think we usually try to have whoever wasn't on here last yeah, yeah, in our yeah. three person rotation read first. So red Sunday. <clears throat> oh, we're on slide 99 for refresher. The bourgeoisie's scribblers are wreathing in fury, constrained as they are to acknowledge the activity of the working class in the occupied factories. Working class activity, initiatives by the working class in production, in eternal order, and in military defense. Social hierarchies have been smashed and historical values turned upside down. The executive classes, the instrumental classes, have become the controlling classes. They have taken leadership. This would be like our PMC, right? For the professional managerial class. Um, have taken leadership over themselves and found in their own ranks their representatives, men to invest with the power of government, men who will take upon themselves all the functions of government. Wait, all the functions that turn an elemental and mechanical aggregate into an organic whole, a living creature. All this has set the hacks of the bourgeois 
Zee twisting in rage, believing as they do that the bourgeois class is divinely invested with powers of decision and historical initiative, which is a tale as old as time. <laughs> the, the kings of the old said the same. It makes no difference that the bourgeoisie is saying the same. Tale as old as time. <laughs> Bullshit myth as old as feudalism. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> what the workers have done has an immense historical importance, and it needs to be understood in all its aspects by the working class. This is a day the workers will devote to thought, discussion, and recapitulation of the events that have occurred. For the workers, one day like this is worth 10 years of normal activity, normal propaganda, and normal absorption of revolutionary notions and concepts. What has happened in these past few days? The Metal Workers Federation had called on the workers to engage in trade union struggle to win wage improvements. The industrialists refused to acknowledge that there was a real validity in the workers' demands. Then, the leaders of the organization, though they are not communists, and sign manifestos against Bolshevik methods of emancipating the people, nevertheless, after examining the actual situation, found they had to transfer the struggle to a new domain. A domain where, if violence was not an immediate necessity, the study and organization of violence at once became a necessity. And so this is, you know, your fucking... The scales are falling off off your eyes a little bit. This is this is kind of like um, it's a little it's a little parallel, but not quite the same on an individual level. When uh, we were doing Wretched of the Earth, uh, there was this analogy of falling out of like you know trying to be a, a communist in the city when they were disconnecting from the poor peasants, and then like actually being revolutionary and uprising and getting kicked out of the party and arrested and basically flung out into the country and then being embraced by the revolutionaries out there. Right. Uh, and this is, this is almost like a, a reflection of that, you know, is, is the mainstream people all of a sudden are faced with action. And this is where you say you win victories, right? You saw this with the George Floyd protest, you know, average squishy liberals that would normally clap for the cops. Now all of a sudden are, are seeing these uprisings and seeing, you know, victories and, and, and things for the people when, when the, the, uh, you know, murderous cops are sent to jail and things like that. And people buy in, people buy in and struggle. Right. And they get to buy in and struggle either, either seeing their enemy, you know, um, you could see this with like the Bernie bros that, that radicalized after the election was rigged from him. And then it was like, well, he's not that good. And they're like, wait a minute, you know, um, people are, are coming to realization through struggle is what that, that is. Right. And, but I was going to say this red Sunday, you know, is basically suggesting taking a day to study as if you're in like Sunday school. Oh yeah. Yeah. For revolution, which is not a bad idea. No, that's, that's not a bad idea. Like a I study like- group is a great way to start out organizing serious, mm-hmm. seriously interested people. I would say do a community garden and then weed out, you know, the wheat from the chaff in mm-hmm. order to grab people interested in an actual serious study of what you're doing. I mean, why are we growing this food for our neighbors? Mm-hmm. That's an important question to ask. And really, if you're not willing to ask that, I'm not going to take the time to be like, Hey, are you interested in communism? Because you're already working towards my goals, you know? Yeah. And, 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 
Community Garden's a great one and, and strongly recommend that one, but really anything that, that needs, you know, organizing, right? Well, right. Um, union so it could be is hot food. It could garden. be, yeah, yeah. It, you could, you can do, uh, yeah, union, union organizing. You could do, uh, you could do harm reduction organizing, you know, uh, Narcan training supplies, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I mean, working um, in encampment training. in general. Yeah, like, working encampment. You know, I it, it just any anything that that you can do, and then when you're there, I mean, you could tell. You could tell who's there to work. People are going to have conversations. You can pick up on clues when people are saying, "I'm like, you, you can know, learn a lot if you yeah. talk to the people. You can yeah. learn who of these other organizers are serious about this shit. Yeah, because they're going to be there. They're going to be there doing shit. Like you, you, you do not volunteer your time for a cause and not see the other people who volunteer for time as a cause, not see how they volunteer, you know, and not see what they do when they're there and how they act. It's great to show up, but if you're not engaged and actually laboring for the people, are you about it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and even then too, like you can start to see people that are doing it for themselves um, and, and uh, making an impression versus people that are, are there to work, you know, um you just you just see that shit i i don't know how i don't know how else to describe it it's obvious when you're there well and like you know we invite people you know if you're interested in seeing the project firsthand that chunkalita is undertaking in pine ridge this is a place great place to see exactly what we're talking about like firsthand you know and it's something you can only see it's not something we can video it's not something we can capture for agit prop properly for you to experience from your armchair you have to go and experience it you will never ever be able to experience it through video or a book enough you will never be able to it is like actually doing the work is so fundamentally different um so continuing where were <laughs> uh, the bullshit methods violence because oh, I'm sorry, I was muted. We're at meanwhile, a new fact emerged. Okay, meanwhile, a new fact emerged at once from this new method of struggle. When the workers were fighting to improve their economic situation through strike action, their role in the struggle was limited to having faith in their distant leaders. It was limited to developing the virtues of solidarity and resistance on the basis, precisely, of this generic faith. But if, in the course of the struggle, the workers occupy the factories with the intention of continuing production, the moral position of the masses at once takes on a different form and value. The trade union leaders are no longer able to lead and disappear the immensity of the membership. The masses are left to solve the problems of the factory on their own, with their own resources and their own men. Under the capitalists, the factory was a miniature state ruled over by a despotic lord. The lord, first off, you know, when people are like, oh, it's neo-feudalism. That's not a new analysis, okay? Yeah, no. <laughs> it's not new. <laughs> anyway, the lord had sole right to select the manual workers, clerks, foremen, and specialists, and distribute them among the workshops, offices, and laboratories. The factory was a despotically organized state with all power resting in the hands of the proprietor or his delegates. The multiplicity of states constituted by all the capitalist factories found united expression in the bourgeois state. The secured 
which secured the discipline and obedience of the non-property owning population by giving it a semblance of power and sovereignty by summoning it every five or seven years to nominate its deputies to parliament and the municipal councils. Today, after the workers' occupation, this despotic power in the factories has been smashed. The right to choose industrial executives has passed into the hands of the working class. <laughs> I wish. <laughs> uh, we cannot simply pluck the Sardinian. <laughs> but anyway, um, uh, every factory has become an illegal state, a pro proletarian republic living from day to day, awaiting the outcome of events. But even if a great uncertainty still hangs over the future of these proletarian republics, given that the enemy forces have not revealed themselves and offer no hint as to their real intentions, the very fact that these republics live as an importance and historical value out of all proportion. Life has a logic and inner energy of its own that goes beyond the will and whims of individuals. While these proletarian republics live, they will have to cope with all the problems that face any autonomous and independent power exercising its sovereignty over a de delimited territory. The political capacity, the initiative, and revolutionary creativity of the working class is now put to the test. And that's the crucible of revolution described by Stalin and foundations of Leninism. Yeah. Um, the first problem, the fundamental and unavoidable problem confronting the citizens of the factory state is that of military defense. This problem arises in a novel form. The bourgeois state builds its army upon three social strata, the bourgeoisie, the petty bourgeoisie, and the working people. The people provides the military mass. The big property-owning bourgeoisie and the aristocracy provide the upper ranks of the officers while the petty bourgeoisie provides the junior commands. Did, did you call it aristocracy instead well, of aristocracy? Yeah, aristocracy. <laughs> Not that none of us have ever Listen mispronounced here. anything. I just thought that one <laughs> sounded really amusing. Listen here. <laughs> I am not properly educated <laughs> i am just saying like that just if it wasn't for the damn disney movie i wouldn't have heard that and chuckled <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's where i got it from where's the cats <laughs> cue the music <laughs> anyway uh where <laughs> the same organization emerges in the capitalist army as in the capitalist factory where the class of proprietors or those assimilated to them through financial interests has despotic command. The proletariat is the passive infantry mass and the petty bourgeoisie fills the subordinate command posts. In the factory republic, there exists one class only, the proletariat. The class which provided the army and industry with a passive infantry mass now the proletariat needs to create its own articulated, organized, and disciplined army. An army that is capable of resisting the enemy forces and vanquishing them. The workers tend to see defense as an obligation incumbent upon all, and this conception hits the mark. But then they are led to conclude that everyone, without distinction, should at once fulfill this obligation, and this is a mistake which we saw the Paris Commune. 
military defense needs to be organized in a special core with its own commands and roles. The conception of hierarchy can no longer be applied to such a formation as there exists one class only. These formations should not be intrinsic in numbers since defense may at any moment give away to attack and military initiative. This problem of military initiative is linked to another. Will not this multiplicity of proletarian republics constituted by the factories occupied and controlled by the workers be led necessarily through the inner dialect dialectic of historical development to confederate themselves, form themselves into a unity and counterpose a central power of their own to the central power of the bourgeois state. Today, the working class is confronted by the concrete problem of forming a city-wide Soviet. If such a Soviet is formed, it will need to have an armed force at its disposal. This force can and must be provided by regularly constituted and commanded factory brigades that can be amalgamated through, uh, through a relay of commands into an urban militia. But conversely, the creation of military nuclei in the factories raises the problem of the Soviet. Since defense has no bounds, it must proceed according to its own logic. So... <clears throat> Um, and I'm Just wondering all the fucking arms. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> uh, um, I, I will say like there are a couple things that make me wonder, cause there were talks about like 1970, 1918, a lot of stuff was brought about then. I wonder when this was written, um, because I guess, I guess we'll figure that out because it always signs it at the end. Um, but a lot of this is 1918 and 1919 and, um, so this is shortly after like the, the white army invasion and stuff. And he Gramsci obviously looked a lot to the Soviet union. This is 1920. Oh, there we go. Okay. They weren't the Soviet union for another year then. Yeah. So I mean, have the, very yeah. interesting. I mean, text talking about, cause a lot of my conceptions right now are based in this time frame as another far as two years. Sorry. As far as like where we can look as to what, what is to be done. You know, and when we look at Lenin's text of what is to be done, um, organizing the Soviets into political centers of proletarian power is what is to be done. And so what are our closest approximation to a Soviet? Because our factories are not anywhere close to Italy's at this time, right? Um, Uh, We we do not have a Soviet of any kind, really. The closest we could see possibly becoming a Soviet-esque um substitute is a reservation with already established governments that we can educate and take over essentially well and it would fit something too right there's a class of people that really need to become the stewards of power uh, for the revolution to go forward um already have this formation that's supposed to give them power and sovereignty and it failed. So if you want to do parallels to the Soviets, that fits really, really well, right? Because the Soviets were formed after the 1905 revolution and exactly. they, they obviously were powerless. And so you, you could see the same thing with the reservations. So, well, and like those are supposed to be like, I mean, the new deal solution. So as far as like mm-hmm. socialism, America has ever gotten, that's mm-hmm. like the best on offer is the reservation system. 
Yeah. And so, like, I don't, one of my favorite arguments anybody has ever made about land back to me is you want to expand the reservation. If by expand you mean end the United States, therefore getting my land back. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I do want to expand the reservation. <laughs> I think that's what they're thinking. I don't think they think of the reservation as a reality on the ground and the poverty. And then you wouldn't, you know, not saying you want to expand that like some kind of right. Well, I mean, it's very right wing racist thing, but like some kind of like, you know, Ben Shapiro shit. I think they're meaning like, like, oh, they, they probably think it's actually sovereign. And they're like, oh, you just want to take your country and take over ours or something. It's like, no, brother, that is a concentration <laughs> camp. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to expand that. Funny enough, my land, Rapid City's occluded. So <laughs> I'm missing a lot. <laughs> um where uh, are we <laughs> oh i'm, I'm gonna pick up you can take so, over okay yep. uh these problems should be discussed by the workers today in the factory general assemblies the organs which express the power and sovereignty of the factory proletarian republics the pre- preparatory and propaganda work for the nomination of workers deputies needs to be carried out in such a way that any at any given moment when the march of events brings history to the pitch where the new and unexpected is bound to happen. The forms of proletarians power as it struggles to emancipate itself will spring from each individual factory or group of factories. And the same remarks apply to this particular revolutionary creation as to that of armed force within the bourgeoisie state. The functions of Supreme command, the government are in the hands of the capitalists or the social class that is bound by financial interest to the proprietors. The subordinate so, post. An yeah. easy way to condense this is we want a dictatorship of the proletariat. Right now we exist under the dictatorship of the capitalist. Yeah. Yep. Dictatorship of the bourgeoisie. The, yeah. I'm just trying to simplify it into my idioms. <laughs> There's some really good stuff we've we've pulled from Gramsci. Um, and and I like that what we've touched on with cultural hegemony, and I really, really have the war of position versus war of maneuver stuff is really stuck. Oh, you have no idea how well that's stuck with me. I'm like, motherfucker, I know what I'm doing. That's yeah, that's massive. I know how to convey what is to be done now. And I'm like, <laughs> mother, holy shit. And it's only yeah. getting better, especially yeah. at Sunday shit. I'm like, and, that, and that's wow. massive. That That's great stuff. And I feel like the great stuff is like half Gramsci and the other half is just like really long winded Lenin. Well, um, like a lot of it is you can see where he's drawing from, from Lenin. Yeah. Mar- I mean, literally, like I'm naming where several of these ideas, like Paris mm-hmm. Commune is where a lot of this factory brigade stuff happens. But a lot of it is coming out of the current struggle in the Soviet Union, proving yeah. a lot of the ideas. Yep. You know? Yep. In the crucible of revolution we mentioned. Uh, The subordinate posts, the role played by the national deputies, are in the hands of the petty bourgeoisie, which allows itself to be dominated economically and morally by the capitalists. The mass of the working people is manipulated politically to satisfy the material interest of the property owners and the ideological ambitions of the petty bourgeois. To keep this hierarchy of classes intact, the state maintains that it is illegal for deputies to be bound by authoritative mandates. The bourgeoisie counts on distractions of the surroundings and on hints concerning the pop- possibility of satisfying personal ambitions to corrupt deputies, even when these are workers, if they are not bound by an imper- imperative mandate. In the constitution of the proletarian central power, all these conditions are changed. There exists one class only, 
which elects deputies from its own ranks, the Electoral College being the factory and the mandates being authoritative and binding. This means that the old hierarchies are smashed and the workers' power is built on a purely industrial and administrative basis. The anarchists should be the first to welcome this organization of power since their ideals are given concrete expression. I, it's the building of dual power that will last. Mm-hmm. That's what he's saying. It's, it's the reason why we got that amazing article back in like 2017 where somebody was like, Lenin's actually an anarchist because of the state <laughs> revolution. <laughs> <laughs> buddy, 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 buddy. <laughs> I don't know if you missed the I part where he mentions his brother being murdered for being an anarchist, but he learned the lesson. Yeah, yeah. I, he 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 was very very fond of Peter Kropotkin. That that was well known. So um, today on the Metal Workers Red Sunday, the workers themselves must construct the first historic cell of the proletarian revolution that the general situation is generating with all the irresistible force of natural phenomena. Unsigned Avanti, 5th September, 1920, uh, selected prison works, 340 to 343. So um, we'll move on after Red Sunday then to uh, political capacity, yeah, you chose but, a weird spot to take over. I'm gonna be honest. Yeah, I did. It was right at the end of the section, and I realized how incredibly like gear grinding that is. So good job, B. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> pressing the clutch at the wrong time, my friend. <laughs> you know, but hey, I mean, it's been it's been a good episode, so I could grind some gears, right? We've yeah. we've had talks about Lenin, and we didn't even bring up that he was closer with the the left SRs than the Mensheviks when the Mensheviks were technically in his party and all that. So you know, again anarchists and communists uh you know marxist leninists this whole like divide that people have conjured up in the west that's that's just a bunch of bourgeois counter-revolutionary bullshit okay we we fight this shit together have we ever read black shirts and reds on marx madness uh i don't think we have that might be a banger just to yeah because i mean like that Red Nation Rising, Border Town Violence. Like yeah. we could do a couple short works. Yeah, yeah. No, as lo- as well as like launch Larry's <laughs> Juche reading. There we go. So, yeah, I don't know. There's a lot of discussion. Please, please give us feedback. Give us feedback. What do you want to hear? What do you need? Uh, yeah, serious. I mean, honestly, because yeah. a lot of this is based on my own needs. Mm-hmm. That- just, well, we've always yeah. done that. We've always recommended a few books and then had people like say, hey, and either like a book we didn't think of or like, hey, do this one. And, and that's how we figured out the next one. So that, that's good. So. Right. I, I just need my feet held to the fire sometimes <laughs> to read some books again. Yeah. So yeah. that way my brain starts going. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I Ever since I got my first case of COVID, my reading brain is not what it used to be. And if anything, I could use the kick in the pants. Um. My mine is a series of trauma induced by police attacks while That's, organizing. Yeah. So I'm like, yeah, no, that happens. Yeah, no. Cops glad to see that my brain doesn't function normal. <laughs> Thanks, pigs. Um. So anyway, section six pol- political capacity. You, you never believe it, but I was once smarter. <laughs> there was also I, the only reason I read Capital was because I fucking decided to do meth for a week 
<laughs> I got a lot of reading done. <laughs> anyway, uh, today, the real metal- working class hero over here. That's right. Today, the metal workers are to approve or reject by referendum the motion voted by the Congress of their Federation. The result of this consulta- yeah, consultation of the workforce in the factories is not difficult to predict. The referendum is an exquisitely democratic and counter-revolutionary form. It serves to valorize the amorphous mass of the population and to crush the vanguards that led those masses and give them political consciousness. So the vanguard of the proletariat should not be demoralized or disorganized by this outcome of the revolutionary movement. Its quality as a vanguard will be verified by the strength of mind and political capacity it succeeds in demonstrating. Have the groups of workers which have been at the head of the movement in the last few days taken the exact measure of their powers to act and the forces of passive resistance that exist within the masses? Have they acquired a conscious of their historical mission? Have they acquired a consciousness of the inner weakness which has revealed in the which has have been revealed in the solidarity of the working class weaknesses which are not individual that do not modify our assessment solidity, of the revolution by the way what's that solidity oh no. solidity thank you i'm sorry solidity of the working class weaknesses which are not individual that do not modify our assessment of the revolutionary spirit of the proletariat in the present historical phase but which can be traced to the general relations of a trade organization Have they transformed their experiences into an active and operative consciousness? Have they become skilled in identifying the deepest hidden feelings that move the popular mind and the negative feelings, the inhibiting forces that fatigue and immobilize the most generous and daring impulses? The political capacity of the proletarian vanguard, and hence the real revolutionary capacity of the Italian working class, will be revealed by the attitudes that emerge from today's referendum. Um, and, you know, this is is really digging into what it means to represent the people and be from the people. Right. And and have the people's mandate. You know, you have to do the will of the population, but you can't just like tail and go like what's popular because a lot of has affected that. You know, can you account for counter-revolutionary forces? Can well, for, you account for disparate backgrounds? Here's a real life account example. For the mission in hand. Yeah, go ahead. My my dad right now is trying to gain leadership in his union. Uh, the process kind of got stumbled um, just due to uh, personal life issues, right? Thank God the union didn't fire him, right? But, <laughs> you know, so he's pursuing that leadership position. Again, and, like, right now they're getting 15% raise for the cost of living finally after COVID and stuff like that. However... You know, this is years of struggling to get a raise at all. And at this point, is it keeping up with the cost of living? No. Even under inflation. And they're probably one of the best paid people in the fucking town. Yeah. You know? <laughs> like, as far as unions are concerned, their union's one of the better ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, it's very fascinating to me because... Like uh, we we also have the steelworkers union because of the large mine in that town, and um, again, you know, mild gains for like the five hundred or so workers that are left, but the company fired fifteen hundred of them. You know, <laughs> like yeah, that's not great. That's not really living up to the people's demands. Let alone like um, when you're like, hey, you know, why are you charging us? 
$200 a month for water mm-hmm. and the mine pays like $200 a year in taxes. Yeah. And then what, why, why yeah. <laughs> something's not adding up there, you know, <laughs> like, because they're not bringing anything economically. They're not bringing any. So like the will of the masses, you know, even though it's like, yeah, economically, it's like the only industry in the town. You know, at that point, they're not really leading the proletariat because the proletariat needs fucking jobs. You know, they don't need higher wages. They need a job. They just need a job. So maybe you should look at, like, seizing that mine. Because <laughs> Canada, it's a Canadian mine. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's in America. The <laughs> Already see an issue there that you can sure. capitalize on. Not to mention, it'd be very easy to occupy very easy like it's a mountain so you can throw rocks down (laughs) you know like you you could do it I believe you you know like there's plenty of deer and shit like you're fine you'll live (laughs) it's literally the tallest point in Michigan that's how huge it is it's a huge open pit mine I think we've talked about this before yeah yeah something to keep it for me the tallest point now it's the tallest point oh yeah yeah we we were cutting off the top and then we were like that's a waste of money yeah (laughs) that actually is isn't it especially (laughs) when you could just lie and be like the tallest natural point is (laughs) (laughs) my favorite you know, but like it's like that's what we're dealing with right now. And you can see a lot of, you know, real life examples of what is the political capacity represented by trade unionism right now. And it is failing. Yes. That's why it can't be the vanguard. It's well, look, vanguard. look exactly what the auto workers went back to strike for, right? They lost their ass in 2008 and basically sacrificed it for the industry. And then they had to struggle for years to get it back. For and, real, they, and like for and it's only back for the most part and going forward and i mean i'm just assuming that because they're happy with the results i i haven't seen the details yeah even that it's like ford's fucking bullshit you know they're like oh we didn't take any any of the you know money we never blah 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 blah. it's like why aren't you paying people better yeah you fuckheads because like i mean grab like uh what's it called detailers were making like 18 an hour when i was in high school they're still making that I'm like, there's been some inflation. <laughs> yeah, just a bit, just a bit. I mean, like, eighteen That's a tough great. job too. Don't get me wrong, eighteen an hour is great, but yeah, there's places that pay they were being like, paid when I was in high school. Yeah, you know? I mean, there's places that pay like seven and nine and dog shit. So eighteen, cool. But, but like, Michigan, Michigan, ten dollar minimum. Oh, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah. We're, we're going up. We're supposed to. Well, it was supposed to already be at fifteen, but I think COVID paused that. I think we're over eight in Missouri now. But have to Jesus, check. yeah. That's, oh, that's oh we're making it. <laughs> we're. It's <laughs> this is not exactly a left wing state here. Well, um, like even Wisconsin's had to like raise like their wages like ten like just across the border because of how much our minimum wage has gone up. Oh, oh, sure, but I mean, like, let me reemphasize: this is not exactly left wing state in Missouri. It was it was considered one of those like swing states up till oh probably about two thousand eight, and then the Republicans just took the hell over somehow, gerrymandering, and um, the Republicans here are. There's like Texas and Florida and Ohio and here. 
So you know, average- I'm not surprised Missouri extremely gerrymandered the state after the black guy won. Yeah. After the that's guy. not surprising. After Barack Obama, you're talking? Yeah, yeah. 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 Okay, like, I was like, who looked like in Missouri? Because there were no, no, no black I'm, people winning in Missouri. This oh, is Missouri. That's what I mean. They were like, <laughs> how the fuck? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, don't get me wrong. We get some people that are even, you know, at least pre-election, fairly radical, like like Bruce Franks and Cory Bush, like elected to some, th- but nobody's getting to like governor of Missouri that's black. This is a racist fucking state. Yeah, that person is going to get shot, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm surprised we didn't have like secession. Like, honestly, I know there was a lot of talks. So it was like, mm-hmm. I'm surprised nobody actually did it, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, At least the state of Jefferson, I could have seen, you know? I guess we need to change our analysis that the, the Rush Limbaugh stance going from a talking point to to leading the party and the Tea Party and stuff maybe is like neo secession in some way because it's the turn to fascism. I don't fucking know. I just saying I'm surprised, too. Um, <laughs> I don't know. Neo secession sounds weird. <laughs> it does. But, um, you know, it should be pointed out that the Koch brothers dad built the largest like the third largest refinery for the nazis so <laughs> yeah no that that cool. doesn't surprise me in the least bit <laughs> cool neat yeah uh many perils threaten the working class these perils are not external the, they are primarily internal the greatest danger is the lack of a spirit of adaptation to higher circumstances, a spirit of critical, conscious, and deliberate adaptation, which cannot and must not be confused with opportunism. Rather, it is the lack of this spirit that leads the working class into opportunism, or which comes to the same thing, to the triumph of the opportunists among the masses and the maintenance of hierarchies that have brought the revolutionary movement to its present pass so like you know we can't change we've always done it this way all that shit instead of like oh my god this is what we have to do for revolution like glam back (laughs) yeah yeah i mean like like i'm just like "Uh Mm. Uh uh-huh yeah Mm. you're spitting fire yeah uh trade unionism (laughs) yeah it's got a lot of internal problems (laughs) Uh, The revolutionary vanguard needs to consider and analyze the events that have just taken place, not according to its own wishes, passions, and will, but objectively as external data to be subjected to political judgment and as historical movements susceptible to conscious extension and development. From a merely objective point of view, the working class can register a step forward as a mass guided and disciplined in the factory by its direct representatives it has proved itself capable of industrial and political self-government. This fact, which should be elementary for revolutionary communists, has consequences of incalculable social importance. The middle classes of the population have compared the strength of the proletariat with the inadequacy of the entrepreneurial, (coughs) entrepreneurial class. Half a century ago, the working class was still, as Marx put it, a sack of potatoes. A generic, imponderable, and amorphous conglomeration of individuals without ideas, without will, without a unitary perspective. Today, it is the entrepreneurial class that has become a sack of potatoes. I just want to like paint that line on my wall right now. Uh, I'm going to get it tattooed. <laughs> uh, an aggregate of the inept and the imbecile, without political capacity, without internal power. 
The revolutionary events of the past few days have illuminated this position of the two classes contending for the government of production and of society. The prejudice and follies which capitalist owned press had disseminated in public opinion have collapsed. The middle classes are lining up with the proletariat, convinced that this young and energetic class holds the key to civilization and human progress. From the test that both cases have had to undergo, the proletariat has emerged higher in public estimation, while capitalism has revealed even further its deficiencies and incapacity. This new political situation has definitely put forward the proletariat as a ruling class. It is a spring that drives it irresistibly towards the conquest of power. Why then? Towards was- the conquest of bread. No, sorry. <laughs> no, you're good. Uh, why then was this result not immediately attained? Or at least why was it not att- no attempt made to attain it? Answer this question must be sought in the tactics pursued until today. Uh, culminating in the referendum, the leaders of the proletariat movement base themselves on the masses. In other words, they ask the prior permission of the masses before acting, consulting them in forms and at the time they choose. But a revolutionary movement can only be based on the proletariat vanguard and must be led without prior consultation, without the apparatus of representative assemblies. Revolution is like a war. It must be minutely compared, prepared by a working class general staff. Just as a war by the army's general staff, assemblies can only ratify what has already taken place, exalt the successful, and implacably, implacably punish the unsuccessful. It is the task of the proletarian vanguard to keep the revolutionary spirit constant, awake for the masses, to create the conditions to keep them ready for action, in which the proletariat will respond immediately to the call of revolution. In the same way, the nationalist imperialists, with their frantic preaching of patriotic vanities and hatred of for foreigners are trying to create conditions in which the crowd will approve of a war that has already been agreed on in the general staff of the army by the diplomatic service. Holy crap. That last line. Uh, yeah, I'm just uh, <laughs> highlighting that and- manufacturing some fucking consent. Um, and, no, but it's true. We see that all the time. And this is not talking. I mean, it's talking about xenophobia and, and fighting wars in other countries, but he was talking about against the revolutionary rising working class. So this is the whole like, you know, rioters and looters. This is the the back the police shit. This isn't just like, you know, oh, my God, Assad is gassing his own people shit. This is more um, like. Yeah, uh, any anywhere from from um, oh my god, we have to you know get get rid of immigrants because they're coming across the country with drugs and stuff. To to oh my god, you know the you these uh, um, union workers who are are just loafing off and taking your money and stuff like that, and people you know striving off welfare and just, it, it's, just eating fudge rounds. Yeah, I mean this is the kind con- this Sorry, is the constant shit on Oliver Anthony. Fuck that dude. <laughs> It's just it's the kind of shit that uh, where they just talk in a, in a dehumanized fashion about homeless people and they use terms like sweeps for destroying people's homes. And, and you know, they talk they talk about like solving the homeless problem without identifying like giving people homes, um, you know, almost like they're an infestation. You know, this is that's the kind of buy in you get. Right. The assumption that someone shot by a police must be criminal. You know, and and you get like the the officer involved shooting stuff. That's all this right here. And of course, it reflects foreign war propaganda, too. But it's all manufacturing consent. It's all it's all inventing this reality for you to buy into where anything the bourgeoisie wants is right, is moral. 
Well, it's trying to obfuscate the reality that it's a war at home. Yeah. It's an internal yeah. occupying force meant to subjugate yeah. know, nations that are striving to be realized, you know, mm-hmm. instead of fucking this prison house of nations we call the United States Empire. Yes. Uh, no war would ever break out if prior permission had to be obtained by from the masses to declare it. Parliaments approve wars because they know they have already been inexorably decided because they know that they will be thrust inexorably aside if they oppose them. Similarly, no revolutionary movement can be decreed by the Workers' National Assembly. To call such an assembly is to confess in advance one's disbelief in revolution. It amounts, therefore, to exercising a prejudicial uh, a prejudicial pressure against it. So you just have to assume we need revolution. You have to drive people that way. You can't ask the people, do you want a revolution? Do, do you think that's what you need? You think that's what you need? You need to be tell like we need if this. The people are voting. Oh, that's where we need to meet them. Yeah, God. No. Uh, the the proletariat vanguard, which is today is disillusioned and threatened with disillusion, must ask itself whether whether it is not itself responsible for the situation. It is in it is a fact that the general confederation of labor, there is no organized revolutionary opposition centralized enough to exercise control over the leading offices and capable not only of replacing one man by another, but one method by another, one aim by another, and one will by another. So not just elect a new representative or have a different union head or whatever the hell, like actually replace the economic system and the structure of society. Uh, this is the real situation, which lo- lamentations, curses, and oaths will not well, change. We, we have a union group in Berkeley that they re- destroyed the union structure and replaced it with a workers' council. Instead. Nice. Nice. That's good. That's good. So it's like, uh, oh, step in the right direction. Hmm? Yeah. And, and uh, then they're talking about seizing an entire fucking building. So it's like, brother. Yes, yeah. uh, but I do want to underscore this one. Uh, keep this in your back pocket, by the way, when, when you're organizing. Uh, this is the real situation, which lamentations, curses, and oaths will not change. Um, only tenacious and patient organizations and preparation. It is thus essential that the groups of workers, which have been at the head of the masses, accept reality as it is in order to alter it effectively. They must keep the masses firm and united behind their programs and slogans. They must become capable of producing from along among themselves an energetic general staff, which is able to conduct a broad mass action with intelligence and daring. Today, we have a referendum. It is a resu- its result must not be the occasion for dismay and disillusion, but rather a warning of need for tighter, more disciplined, and better organized action. The emancipation of the proletariat is not a labor of small account and of little men. Only he who can keep his heart strong and his will as sharp as a sword when the general disillusionment is at its worst can be regarded as a fighter for the working class or called a revolutionary. Unsigned Avanti, 24 September 1920, uh, selected prison works 347 and 349. And that is where we'll leave off today. And so, you know, if you liked what you heard or you don't want to provide that feedback we mentioned earlier, there's a Discord you can go find at the at Mark's Madness Pod X account. <laughs> Twitter. It's a Twitter account. 
Um, <laughs> everything still says login with Twitter. <laughs> Everybody's like, fuck you, Elon. That's stupid as shit. Did you see the thing they did where they took the headlines yes. out of articles? How, what? As the somebody fuck? who runs a media team, yeah. I, just, I had to inform everybody. They took away the headlines. Remember to add them. Yeah, because <laughs> so fucking stupid. Well, not only can you just link anything and like it looks like a picture. First off, if people don't know, it looks like just a picture. And then yeah. if you go, oh, that's an article. You know, I can tell by the way they tweet it, it's an article, right? You're gonna go in just like you're just gonna assume they link something. So now, if someone's just linking bullshit. And that that whole like rated thing or whatever, where people inform people of stuff, oh, hasn't the, called the out fucking the notes. The community yeah, yeah. Notes. If you if you haven't if it hasn't been community notes yet, and you want to bullshit, you can throw it out there, and people see it without even knowing the headline. They should be like, oh, they linked proof. They must be right, and like fucking move on. Which is probably why you did it, so that his little Nazi buddies can do that shit. But I mean, yeah, it's to help hide. Yeah, you know, it's fucking it's awful. Like it just it just looks like a goddamn picture and it doesn't yeah. make any sense. It's aesthetically more pleasing. That's his mm-hmm. argument. It's not. It's very mm-hmm. aggravating, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, at Mark's Madness Pod or at Chunkaluta Org, I think. Uh, what else is happening? Uh, we're we're slowly getting on Instagram and TikTok and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a blue sky account. Yeah, there's a lot of ways to provide us feedback now. Um, and there's the emails, which is uh, <laughs> Chunkaluta Network at proton.me. I don't, I don't fucking know. <laughs> I need to learn this shit. Fuck. <laughs> uh, there's also marksmanispot at gmail.com. Yeah, or my personal, which is bands of turtle island at gmail.com. Throwing that one back. And I did mention my personal next, which is at Decolonial Marks, which is just me making fun of Midwestern Marks. You know? <laughs> I do not think that highly of myself. Not yet, at least. Once I write my version of Capital for America, maybe. But there's a Patreon. Uh, we ask that you please support that. The monthly donations go a long way towards uh, establishing, uh, you know, staff as Gramsci says, because <laughs> right now, I mean, we are, we're working with bare minimum, but like paying people for their labor, much more motivated to work. <laughs> and I, you know, I take in the 500 right now, but it's like with another kid on the way, you know, I would appreciate, and I'm going to be grabbing another job just to help, you know, pay for stuff. But it's like, yeah, that's going to cut into time, you know, and, Hopefully, as the expansion of the staff goes, hey, things get easier, but that's all we can, um, you know, that's hard to uh, get going as people motivated to work as hard as I do towards this project. And I mean, not even Mark's Madness. I wish I put in more time towards Mark's Madness, but... You know, I think I proved with the red deal, I give a shit. You know? <laughs> I put a lot of labor into that series, that's for sure. Um, but even then, you know, like I chose Prez specifically because of the labor I knew they'd contribute. Um, and that's sort of the network we're working on at Chunkaluta and the, you know, dream or whatever. 
Um, and so that the Patreon all goes towards that. Our, our next goal is to make sure our Bulgarian comrade um, can survive and continue pursuing their art, but you know, they're also helping us transcribe. And so they only need like, I think like the conversion from euros to American works up to like three seventy five or three eighty or something like that a month. That's groceries and rent. And it's like, that's horrible. That's holy shit. <laughs> holy fuck. That's wow. No wonder you can exploit the third world so easily. Cause that's like great there. I guess that's a good income. I'm just like, that's terrible. Yeah. That's terrible. Yeah. Well, so I mean, it's like, hey, if that's all you need to do your thing, by all means, you know, just transcribe a couple things. Yeah, there was, I, I, I forget who detailed really well the economic mechanism of that, but like stuff is cheaper in other countries, not just because of, because they're poorer than the United States, but to keep them poorer than the United States, right? Um. But I can't remember the name of that economic mechanism that does that. But it's it's amazing how much cheaper some stuff is other places. You know, this is not like oh they get free healthcare and we have to pay for healthcare and get ripped off. I mean, like you know, everyday groceries and rent and shit like that. Well, and that's like fucking, you know, a lot of people. As long as they have their rent and groceries paid for, they would organize. Yeah, you know, so much more constant rat race of uh, cotton. <laughs> constant rat race of freaking you know trying to make rent sucks yeah. that sucks yeah. ass yeah no i mean that's that's the idea behind a, a professional vanguard party is is so that people can focus and do the organization um, well, exactly and so we're working on alternative means of funding mm-hmm. but right now the patreon's the main way uh mm-hmm. and then we do a lot of projects and stuff with the gofundme um yeah we finish- drive right yeah. now well, so we got so the winter drive is actually almost done. Yeah, like two thousand away or something like that. I'm like, nice. Yeah, on us. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oops, <laughs> I wasn't paying attention to that one. But uh, you know, uh, we're still trying to finish getting the wheelchair, and then the last little bit pays for camera work already done. First off, so we we paid half up front. <laughs> We would like to pay him the rest of what is owed. <laughs> Please help. <laughs> He's willing to give a discount, but, and, you know, we're going to pay him out of the Patreon, whatever. And that's also why I'm grabbing another job, you know, but like, yeah, he did a lot. He fucking, yeah. I cannot wait to show everybody. I so excited. Um, but, Along with that, you know, uh, the transcriptions, you know, it's about 4,000 a year then for this person to survive and continue pursuing whatever they want. And all they have to do is three transcriptions a month. And that's a pretty sweet deal. I think, (laughs) you know, that's, they like that. I like that, whatever. So that's what we're aiming for right now. And we're halfway there. So, you know, if you have five bucks a month, you can throw our way, please. Otherwise, you know, the GoFundMes are, you know, really important and we do really good with those. So that's a way to help. But, you know, I would like to be able to guarantee that this transcriptionist can continue to survive after this year, 
even if this GoFundMe is successful, you know. Um, and then, like, the big thing is the wheelchair. Like, I don't like it's <laughs> no offense. Thank you so much for helping us with the, you know, building stuff. But, like, you know, I, I thought like the wheelchair would be, you know, done by now <laughs> with how quick yeah. we got the construction kind of feels like everybody was just like fuck that person you know <laughs> i would just like to finish that uh, yeah um, we may want to just send that back out a little bit too just to well that's what i'm saying you know and then there's the winter drive which we're like i said there's we're 2500 away from finishing and the goal is to finish by the end of fucking november so yeah, so it's going well. <laughs> We're on track. Uh, but yeah, other than that, you know, uh, look forward to the YouTube launching and stuff. Uh, we'll be uploading the Mark's Madness catalog and um, trying to make it not just re-uploading the podcast. We're going to be adding in like memes and shit to go along with the conversation. Um, just to put in a little extra effort. Um, but yeah, and then that's, you know, like right now the video editor volunteers their time and we just donate to stuff on his behalf, but it's like, Hey, it would be cool to be able to pay him. He does a lot of stuff for us now. And then there's also the just Mark's Madness editors, which is just David and Nathan volunteering their time. <laughs> then, yeah, it's, well, it's a mess. It's a mess. We do bag. a bag up job. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, somebody was like, you guys really got your shit together. And I was like, <laughs> who are you listening to? <laughs> Who's telling you this? <laughs> but, um, yeah. Anyway. That's that's the pitch. Yeah. Did I do it? Yeah, that's so good. So, <laughs> so, with that being said, this has been Mark's Madness Pod, part of Chuckalutin Network. We read books. My name's David. I'm Shumani too. And we will talk to you next week. Bye. Oh, chat. <laughs>